0: Nebraska producers of fruits and vegetables. I'm your host, Carol Waters, and with me this week is John Porter, Urban Ag Extension Educator in Douglas Sarpy County.
1: Well, welcome. I'm I'm glad to be here. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Welcome, John. Glad you're here today. I know you have... a lot of different roles in extension. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Right. So I am the urban agriculture educator here in the Omaha Metro area. So working on uh, issues around urban farming, community gardens, other areas of uh, production within the city. Uh, and also the program leader for our horticulture landscape and environmental systems team across the state. So I get to, to help lead and supervise all of our horticulture, um, entomology, water folks across the state. So I get to have the best of both worlds there.
0: Excellent. And I know you, part of your job is you like to work with producers.
1: Uh, I do like to work with producers, you know, out visiting producers to, to give them technical advice uh, and then working, you know, more on developing programs that serve producers. Like, you know, we just hosted a, you know, a local food and healthy farms conference, um, other events to, to help offer training uh, to, to area farmers. And then, the other part of uh, one of the things that I do is is work on like local levels of policy, like around zoning and, and agriculture, and I think that's what we're going to talk about today.
0: Absolutely. So food policy has uh, been in the news lately, and it's been in the news for a while now, especially after the pandemic hit us and we had some food... Concerns,
1: right? Mm-hmm. And
0: and we also talk about food deserts a lot, a lot more than we used to. That's a newer term that we talk. Um, tell it. Tell me a little bit about what food policy is out there. What what are we looking at these days?
1: Right. So. Uh a lot of this really depends on where you live. Uh, if we're talking about like um, zoning and, and what you can and can't do, uh, but then we have you know the the policies around like food safety issues. So you know we have the Cottage Food Bill here in Nebraska that you know says what you can and can't produce in your own home, and um, you know there you know always potential for changes to that. Um, one of the things that we do in extension is also the, the food safety modernization act training for producers. So, um, making sure that farmers are are following safety guidelines, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about what that means, and and um, you know whether or not you should be certified. Uh, it's a good idea to go to the training, even if you don't have to be certified. Um, but really, what I've been working on a lot lately um, is working with the the city of Omaha to to pass an urban agriculture ordinance to talk about you know what can we do within the city of Omaha uh, in terms of agriculture, um, and I think. You're talking about that because a lot of people across Nebraska, they live in towns and cities that might have restrictions on those types of things. Or even if you're in a rural area, there might be some some things that you want to think about. You know, there are fewer restrictions, um, but, you know, we, we want to think about, you know, what are the limits of what we can do, it, especially based on where, where we live.
0: So I was talking a little bit about the metro area, mm-hmm. you've been working a lot on some planning and zoning issues. Tell me a little bit more about where that stands right now.
1: Right. So uh, last month we, we had a, a, a reading of the, the ordinance with the, the planning commission. Uh, this is an ordinance we've been working on for years. It sort of got uh, put on the the burner during the pandemic. Um, but really currently uh, the production of food of like um, urban farming is technically not legal on residential properties, uh, within the city limits of Omaha, currently, there's nothing that says it's illegal, but there's nothing that says it's legal, uh, and so we have lots of urban farms out there in backyards, uh, people on vacant lots, and there's really nothing that says if you're if you're growing on a, a scale where you're selling food, there's really nothing that says that yes, it's legal. So it's a legal gray area now, meaning that if there's an issue that comes up. And you get a complaint from a neighbor there's really nothing to protect you in that case and so the ordinance uh, is going to is going to spell out like what you can and can't do on certain zoned properties so there's residential zoning there's commercial zoning and there's even like industrial and agricultural zoning within the city uh, and so what this ordinance is going to talk about is on a residential property, can you have an urban farm? Um, yes, as long as you're not like, you don't open a a farm stand or a farmer's market on your property, you can grow produce to sell at a, at a nearby farmer's market. Uh, it even, you know, talks about, you know, it, it protects the right for you to, to garden in your own yard. Like if you're growing for your own consumption, um, and then it defines what a community garden is. It talks about uh, on commercial and industrial zone properties, like uh, the levels of farm, like, you know, the scale of farming that you can have on those. Uh, unfortunately some of the things that uh, farmers do you know have like structures like high tunnels and storage buildings and stuff like that Um, and some of the the ordinance will will focus on like uh, what permits you need so like unfortunately like it says oh well if you want a high tunnel you need to get this permit and this permit's going to cost you know x number of dollars but uh, currently, right now, uh, high tunnels are not legal in the city of Omaha. Uh, so our focus is is to hopefully get this passed through Omaha, and then maybe share it with other municipalities in the in the metro area uh, to sort of have like a comprehensive. Ordinance around agriculture. But then, you know, we always have people, even in small towns across Nebraska, that say, oh, well, I can't, like, I'm not allowed to have chickens in my town, or, you know, I can't do this in my town. And so, you know, providing information to those folks, like, you know, what you can and can't do. And then even talking about, like, advocating, like, if you really want to have chickens in your town and it says it's illegal. You know, how do you go about, you know, maybe changing the law in your town to get chickens decriminalized?
0: (laughs) Decriminalized chickens. Okay. (laughs) And I know there are rules on the books for chickens in Omaha right now.
1: Yes, correct. Um, so the, the ordinance that we're working on in Omaha actually doesn't touch any issues around poultry or livestock because those are under the jurisdiction of the health department. Uh, and the health department sets all of those rules in a, in a separate way. So it won't be like in the city ordinance. Uh, and so that would be a whole other level of um, activism or um, education for the health department uh, to make sure that they understand what the needs of of folks across the city uh, are because they get to set their own rules. Uh, They're not uh, bound by the ordinance.
0: But the gist of it is if you're interested in growing for market and your city may not allow you to have a high tunnel right now, it's being able to talk to your commissioners, your city planners you're and do that education so just be a good advocate for agriculture especially urban agriculture
1: right i think you know if if you're passionate about it and you want to pr- you want to produce where you live and you even if you're not in omaha if you're in any other town or munici- municipality is to first see what the rules are what the laws are and you can find those you know usually talk to this the city planner or town planner um, to see what ordinances are on the books. Uh, remember that just because it's not outlawed doesn't mean that it would be smiled upon if you do it. So you want to double check because um, if it's not protected by code, then it's basically just up to whoever's in charge at the moment as to what they allow and don't allow. Um, but then it is going to that planning department or the mayor or you know the town council, um, and not not. Uh, being an activist and yelling but being an advocate sharing education and even working with them like they they want you to help them write the policy they don't want you just yelling at them you know so bring information and and find examples to share if you want to activate for something that you want to do that currently isn't legal in your town
0: and a great advocate to help you with this would be the extension office there's 93 extension offices there's educators in every office that can help with something like this so you don't have to just reinvent a wheel there are people there that are out there to help you and and want you to be successful
1: exactly so extension can you know offer that technical like what what technically you know is possible you know like for example, with chickens, it's often about um, you know the size of a coop or a pen. Like we can offer those. Like this is the the technical advice. Like this would be you know what you could or couldn't do in this space. I've often been called like uh, in a previous job. I had to go. Uh, a city had an issue with complaints about composting, uh, and so I had to be like the the expert on composting mm-hmm. and provide them information on on that. So extension's there to help uh, to help answer those questions. Uh, and even if you're local extension person doesn't know the answer, uh, you know, we're a network of people across the state and across the nation, and we can help you find an answer.
0: Absolutely. Now, shifting a little bit to food policy. Right. Because there is quite a bit of policy that surrounds food. And we've talked to Cindy Bryson a little bit about cottage foods, but what's the policy situation looking like With food right now?
1: Right. So there are a a number of different policies that you want to to really look at whenever you're uh, growing or selling food. Uh, So like the cottage food, that's more for like making food in your own kitchen and selling. Uh, But even if you're a produce grower and you're just growing fruits and vegetables and selling at market uh, or selling to a local grocery store, um, you want to look at like the food safety um, issues that surround that. Uh, and so if you are a produce grower, you want to uh, do like a food uh, or a produce safety training, uh, which is available through extension here in Nebraska and most every state. It's uh, through a, a program called the Produce Safety Alliance that's that's headed up by Cornell University Extension. Um and really, you know what the law says there—that um, if you're a, th- a farm of a certain size, which is typically around fifteen thousand dollars worth of sales, it's required that you go through the training and your farm becomes certified uh, through this process. Uh, if you don't have fifteen thousand dollars worth of sales, then it's really just smart to go through the training because it's a lot of common sense stuff uh, for you to help plan for food safety. Um, and then, you know, we look at at all different kinds of of regulations around. You know, if you're selling at a farmer's market, you know, what are the, the rules for the farmer's market? Um, you know, a big one now, eggs are expensive at the grocery store. And a lot of people that weren't selling eggs before are selling eggs. And like if you technically, if you want to sell eggs in the state of Nebraska, you have to have an egg permit. Uh but it's basically you fill out a form and you send it to the Department of Ag and it's free and it just certifies. It says, yes, you're a regular, a registered egg producer and they have your address on file. So if there's like a food safety issue, um, they know how to basically track uh, the egg. So there's, you know, lots of different facets around food policy that we don't often think about.
0: So I know two things that our producers may have heard something about but may be unclear about what they really are is GAP and FSMA. So mm-hmm. let's start with GAP. What is GAP?
1: So GAP is good agricultural um procedures. And that is basically a voluntary program. So that's a, a training program and you can be certified, a GAP certified producer, but that would be if you're selling to like a, a large entity, like a large grocery store or a grocery store chain to a hospital. Um, it would be something that they might require for a local producer to be certified or even a large like producer uh, to be certified, but it is a voluntary uh, process. Uh, so it, there's no law that says Says that you have to be GAP certified. Um, what FISMA is, the Food Safety Modernization Act, that's what I was talking about with the training that we offer through Extension, uh, and the you do the, the Produce Safety Alliance training uh, through Extension, uh, and then you can go through a certification process with your farm if you do meet the qualifications to have to be certified, which is usually that you um, sell over $15,000 worth of produce or, or food in a year. And so you have to watch what that means because it's not just produce. So if you sell uh, other foodstuffs like you know the cottage food type of foods, uh, that also qualifies. It's not just produce. Uh, and even if you, um, are a large scale farmer and then sell a small amount of produce, I think it's, I'm, I'm not sure of the numbers, but it's like, if you sell a certain thousands of dollars worth of say like agricultural product, and then even a small portion of that is fresh produce, um, then, you know, you would re- be required to, to go through the training, um, and to be certified unless the the, here's the, the big caveat. Um, so this is for freshly consumed produce. So if you're growing stuff that isn't freshly consumed, like you're selling, if you only grow potatoes and sell potatoes, um, no, nobody eats potatoes raw, right? So they wouldn't be something that would be required to be certified. If you're selling, um, pumpkins, people don't eat pumpkins raw. Um, so if if it's not something that's generally consumed raw, then it wouldn't be you wouldn't be required to go through the certification if that's all you sell Now, if you sell tomatoes and lettuce and uh, other things that are consumed raw, then yes the the FISMA certification through the 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 grower produce training uh would be required
0: so while you were talking, I was thinking about sweet corn mm-hmm. so you can eat sweet corn raw. And we do have producers that grow a little sweet corn on the side. They may sell it at a farm stand, but their primary agricultural product is seed corn. How would that fall?
1: That's a good question. I would, um, you know, it's, it's been a, a minute since I've taught this <laughs> <laughs> produce safety safety training class. Um, but um, I would probably err on the side of, of caution there. Um typically, you know, it can be eaten raw. Is it typically eaten raw? That's what the law says. Uh, And so, you know, there is a list of things. If you go look up like FSMA requirements for produce, um, you could see like if, if the specific crop you're selling would be, you know, considered, you know, because I know like some people cook things like, Radishes, like I've seen roasted radishes, but is it common that people cook radishes? No, (laughs) they're, they're typically consumed raw.
0: So if somebody wanted to get their FSMA training, what would they need to expect out of a day?
1: So it is a, it is a day long training, typically, you know, from, from morning to late afternoon, um, you go through lots of different things. Um, a big focus of it is actually on water and water quality. So uh, there will be a focus on the production water. So what you use in the field uh, and talking about um, aspects of like uh, testing it for E. coli, there are our testing requirements unless you have like a municipal water source uh, where you can, you know, be certain that there's not any micro um, biological issues in that water, but if you have well water, uh, and especially if you use surface water for production, uh, that comes in contact with the crop. There's another one of those caveats, like if you're only using drip irrigation, uh, and it never comes in contact with the edible portion of the crop, then it's not uh, as regulated uh, as, you know, other standard uh, water. Uh, and then, you know, for like the post-harvest water and washing uh, and storage type of stuff. So there's lots of um, issues on that. But then there's, you know, um, part part of the workshop is on like dealing with wildlife. Um, you know, a lot of our uh, food safety issues, like a lot of the the salmonella outbreaks, especially are like from bird droppings that know, overflying flocks of birds. And we have lots of those in Nebraska. So it's like, how do you deal with, with issues like that. And the training is more about like you making your plan to mitigate the issues versus the, you know, you have to do this, this and this. It's sort of like, these are the risks. How do you evaluate those risks on your farm? And how do you plan to, to basically mitigate those risks on your own? It doesn't say, oh, there are birds that fly over your farm. You absolutely have to do this. Uh, it's basically how do you, how do you then go through some, a management plan to, to deal with this? And then other issues around, like, um, training any workers that you have, um, and even, like, the things we don't think about training people, like how to wash your hands uh, and proper bathroom uh, etiquette, Um, because, you know, we, we have... Uh, agricultural workers from all over the world and customs around things like hand-washing and bathroom etiquette are different all around the world and so uh, we want to make sure that everyone has the same standard of of hygiene uh, when we're working you know in the field
0: and I think the biggest take-home message that I want people to know today is that it's not supposed to be punitive Right. It's supposed to be helping, educating, keeping your food safe, protecting you as the producer more than more oversight.
1: Right. Uh, So it is really about helping you to manage the risk and the liability around issues like this so that, you know, if there is something that happens— you know, and someone gets sick from produce or food that you sell, like how do you manage that? Uh, And then how do you show, you know, a lot of what we talk about is record keeping. Like, can you show that? Yes. My water is safe. Yes. You know, so that then, you know, if there is a, like a foodborne illness outbreak, uh, and you might end up with some sort of liability, like a you know a lawsuit or something. Then you know how do you show that you took the best steps that you knew how to, in order to maintain safety of that food? It's not like yeah you have to do this, and we're going to you know if you can't do this, you can't grow produce. It's all about managing your risk and helping you to make sure that you're doing it as safely as possible. And uh, unfortunately, I often tell people in the trainings like if you don't document it, it doesn't happen, right? And so how do you keep those records to make sure uh, that you are ensuring that you're producing food in a safe manner.
0: And, and honestly, working through the policy piece, working through FSMA and GAP, it's it's about the producer and producing safe food for our consumers. And as I, I tell farm, folks who sell at Farmer's Market, you know, you you do one good thing, and a person will tell one or two people. Something goes wrong, they tell everybody they know.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. And it, you know, thinking about the, you know, the safety at the farmers' markets, and you know, having that lens of going through, like, you know, just understanding the common sense, like the common sense things, like temperature control, like understanding that you know if you're if you cut leafy greens and they sit at room temperature you know or out in the Sun at the farmers market that you know there's a, a risk to that or um, you know understanding the risk of of washing versus not washing produce um, a lot of people assume that yes I have to wash all the produce that I sell it to market but that wash step when you're Submerging all of that produce together in one vat, in one bucket, you know, if there's contamination on one tomato and you washed 100 all altogether, now you have 100 contaminated tomatoes. And so how do you manage that type of risk in a smart way? And it's things that you don't even think about, like, washing produce can actually spread contamination versus eliminate contamination.
0: So I like to end the podcast with a take-home tip. What can we tell producers is the take-home tip for this week?
1: Uh, So my take-home tip would be um, to actually just spend a little time researching what those rules and policies and regulations are uh, and have an open mind about these are things that are in place to really protect producers and consumers to make sure that we have a, a safe food supply. Because I think a lot of people... Um, approach when we have yes we have rules and regulations and policies and laws that they're always punitive and they're always you know made to to make it hard to be a farmer but really it's all about protecting the farmer and the consumer and i think changing your mindset around that and seeing it through that lens is important
0: great well john thanks for joining me this week And thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you hear, please uh, click like and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Thanks and have a great day.